Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters. Learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Now, many of the product leaders and companies creating integrated hardware and software products that I've talked to this year are looking at ways to speed up their development process and add flexibility, add agility to it. So I asked around to see who has the best experience with this type of thing, and I was referred to our guest and author of the book, Scrum for Hardware. Really, this is the first authoritative book on this emerging movement by the same name. And his name is Paolo Samichelli. In addition to writing the book, he's also a licensed business coach specializing in Scrum, Kanban, design thinking, lean startup, and helping firms all over the place with these sort of things. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Remember, we take notes for you if you hear anything that you want to go back to or just have an easy way to send a summary off to a colleague. Take advantage of that. You'll find those notes at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 243. Hope you enjoy the interview. Paolo, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators. Thank you for inviting me. Glad we have a chance to talk because this topic has come up many times this year for me. You have a book called Scrum for Hardware, and I went out and asked a few people about this problem I kept running into, which was organizations that are involved in doing both, doing some hardware components, some software components, often the integration, and wanting to add agility to that process, you know, be able to do things faster run experiments through it and the like. And so I talked to a few people about how do we do this? And you were mentioned and your book was mentioned and delighted to dive into this now with you. Awesome. (laughs) So what are the factors that you've been hearing, that you've been working with that are driving this push to incorporate Scrum into hardware projects? So in three words, it's the fourth industrial revolution, meaning that we are going through some big changes in in, in the industry, for, well, also in, in the society, to be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And what we are seeing, well, the definition of the fourth industrial revolution is uh, it's not the big fish eating the small fish, but it's the fast fish who eats the slow fish. So the thing is, the time to market, the ability to go quickly on a market mm-hmm. and a, a, a validate business ideas, is going to be every day more critical and really a key success factor. Yeah, the time to market is something I hear a lot. You know, that, that's a key exactly. reason. People are wanting to get first figure out something that they think is going to be successful in the marketplace faster, right? Do that validation work and then get it out to market faster. Yeah. And another element is that the the in a third industrial revolution we consider it the, the innovation as a competitive advantage uh-huh. because once a company could innovate they could get some some advantage towards competitors. Today the problem is that that the one that don't innovate they might die. Right. But the one who innovate uh, they don't just have an advantage because everybody it's uh, Innovating every day. So the innovation that in the past was something like, well, we have uh, some departments doing some R&D and, and research. Mm-hmm. Now we need the company to have uh, innovation incorporated into daily process because innovation needs to be constant 
and consider it something normal. Yeah. It's not something that can, can be opportunistic like in the past. And together with that, we have the user expectation every day going, going high, higher. So uh. we have some market, for example, in consumers like mobile phones, smartphones, that they are raising up the customer expectation. And so the people that experience this incredible high um, user experience, then they expect the same level of user experience, a user delightment, if you would say, also in other uh, areas that you weren't expecting. So you see uh, furniture that uh, traditionally like the the dishwasher uh, or, or the washing machine that in the past was something very easy and, and not high tech because what the, 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 the typical user wasn't really, really technological. That today they go is on Wi-Fi, they have apps right. and, and so on. So, and also the, the so-called B2B market. You know? mm-hmm. So also they tend to have this increasing uh, uh, expectation from user that creates the need to, to have a constant feedback loop and improve constantly the way you do stuff. So altogether, there are the good elements that make Scrum uh, a good way to approach all these uh, challenges in a, in a single way. Okay. So a lot of pressures there really all kind of are conspiring together to get a new product to market faster, right? So changes yeah. in the competitive environment, everyone's innovating, user preferences for the same reasons, are changing more quickly and our consumers tend to have have higher expectations faster and, you know, companies are trying to respond to that. And that innovation, I'm, I'm on the same page with you, that innovation needs to be a characteristic of the entire culture of the organization, not just left up to a group. But the challenge is most organizations really struggle with that. When I look at the surveys and I've talked to some of the people involved in this work, like 97% of CEOs put innovation near the top of the list, if not the top of the list of things that they need to do and things that they think they're good at, frankly. And then it's more, it's under 10% of organizations that are actually have a process in place as part of the culture and they're actually good at it. There's a break there. So we need good tools like this. Tell us about the building blocks of, of Scrum for Hardware. What, what are the key components that make this thing work? So when I teach Scrum for Hardware in class, I show an iceberg that uh, an, is not really original. Heisberg, right. yes, yep. an iceberg, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really original because all, all the consult- consultants tend to show icebergs, but that's the, the best metaphor I've found so far. So on top, out, uh, over the water, so the, 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 what, the things that you can see, you, you can, we can talk about processes, and the processes is just Scrum, and, uh, and together I would say Scrum at scale, because in my experience, uh, a hardware project uh, can be done by a single team, uh, a Scrum team. Hmm. Normally, it's something bigger. So the, the first challenge is that if you want to start uh, doing Scrum in a hardware development, uh, it's going to be a scaled project uh, from day one. So you need some cross-team coordination uh, and some kind of uh, multiple teams uh, backlog uh, prioritization and these are the processes uh, still on o- over the water the things that you can see or buy or, or, or even copy from uh, other companies uh, you have the engineering practices the practices I would call it so uh, one part uh, we, we call we, 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 
we have this thing called the extreme manufacturing, that it's a set of practices that Joe Justice in a Wikispeed project elaborated huh. and doing, doing some coaching after the Wikispeed project. He, he found some similarities in other companies. And so basically extreme manufacturing, manufacturing is the common practice we see applied in multiple environments in, in different size companies from very small to very big. Okay. So we would say a set of things that we know why they are working quite well in most of the cases. Okay. There are also other uh, practices that um, something you can find in book, other you can find in blog posts. Um, those uh, are more uh, related to the context. So it's not, it's not like a silver bullet that you can use it without even uh, judgment. So even the, 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 the way you apply stuff for hardware needs to be iterative, incremental, just like uh, Scrum. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because all the practices tend to vary a lot as depending of the context. Um, below the water, the things that you can buy, you can copy and you can steal. There are the principles, the principles from Agile Manifesto, the principles from, uh, again, the extreme manufacturing has some principles and the values, the scrum values and the, 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 the agile values. And also, I would say the lean because, uh, uh from, from principles and values, we, we keep everything, um, uh, from, from lean. We don't need to change anything. Practices don't sometimes need some adaptation, but this is the kind of stuff that we are not really uh, concerned about. Huh. Like practice, we, we, we are more flexible. Principles are things that, that we, we care more and we, are, we tend to know, to, 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 to not violate. Okay, so this iceberg metaphor, right? So the things that you can see that are yes. above the surface there, the processes, scale, extreme manufacturing, and maybe some other common practices based on the specific context. Then the things below the surface, those, when I think of that, these are the things that are harder to copy, right? They tend to be more tailored to the culture of the organization. They have to fit into the organization. Exactly. Yeah, okay, that's what you're meaning by that. Okay. Hey, Dad, I think you should interrupt this interview to tell your listeners something important. Oh, what's that? You should tell them about your new mini course. Oh, okay. What do you suggest? You could interview yourself. Okay, how would that work? It would go like this. Hi, Chad. Tell me about your new mini course. Thanks for asking, Chad. I just published the second edition of my book, Turning Ideas into Market-Winning Products. The mini course covers some of the key ideas from the book. Brilliant! What sort of ideas? You'll discover what to do as a product developer, manager, and innovator... Methods for finding and testing ideas that lead to valuable products customers love. How to really use the minimal viable product approach. And much more. Splendid! Is it free? Yes, it is. And you don't need the book to get value from the mini course. Capital! How much time do I need to complete the course? I made it short. Each lesson is only five minutes and you'll receive a new lesson every two days in your email box. Whoa! Where can I get it? 
just head over to www.theeverydayinnovator.com slash book. Huzzah! What was that again? www.theeverydayinnovator.com slash book. Um, there's just one problem. I can't speak with an English accent. Oh, no problem. I'll do it for you. <laughs> Let, let's dive into this then. Let's say, <laughs> let's start with a smaller sort of project or complexity maybe, you know, because just dealing with Scrum at scale introduces all kinds of new challenges for us if we we're trying to bring this on. Maybe we do have a hardware project and we want to just get the rhythm in place for a team to start mm-hmm. thinking about how do we apply this Scrum for hardware. And if we have time to talk about taking it to scale, we'll do that too. Can you walk us through kind of the, the big steps, the actions that a team needs to get their hands around to implement Scrum for hardware? Okay. So the steps uh, from some point of view are quite similar regardless if you do hardware or software. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first step I recommend and um, m- many, many books uh, literature about agility recommend starting from business. So we, you need to involve top management, have a robust discussion of what brings value to our company, identify the value streams. I normally invite the management to divide the value streams of the company, identifying the ones that are just the cash cow, the things that are paying the, our bills today, the, the, the rising star, the things that we hope we will pay our bills tomorrow, and probably you have some product that are uh, end of life. Uh-huh. So you need to find uh, a, a good area where to start implementing Scrum, learn from that, and then gradually extend to the rest of the company. In order to start safely, I would recommend to not start from the cash cow. Right. Because... You can't make a mistake there, right? So you, also, you can't choose something that is irrelevant. It needs to be something relevant. Yeah. So something in the middle. It has to be important or it's not going to get the support and it's not going to have longevity. Exactly, exactly. Everything else will be a higher priority. So once you define what is the, 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 the business, uh, the, the, the value stream. So we are talking from concept to cash. The value stream that we want to address with Scrum and Agile, we do a sort of mapping, a sort of value stream mapping. And for every step of the value stream mapping, we try to find out what are the competencies, the skills you you need for each step in order to produce value. Uh-huh. And with that, we have a, a skill matrix and we can have a, like a questionnaire to send out a form. We use a lot of online tools, also the free one. Um, and we ask all the people to self-evaluate their own skills so that we have a map on people that could be potentially part of this pilot. And, and then we have to set up the scale, the situation. So we need the top management team. If you use a Scrum at scale, it's called the EAT, Executive Action Team. That is the top team that can fix uh, all the impediments at organizational level. Okay. And also we will need some uh, executive meta scrum, so a team prioritizing the business side. This is medium-sized company, they tend to be the same people. 
So basically, it's still one team. But big big companies, we, we tend to have different people. One more for impediments and processes, and the other for business. At that point, we have to train everybody. Crucial is to train managers because Scrum for hardware is not so different from software, but in some way, it's harder. It's, okay. it's, it's physical stuff. You have to buy machinery and tools that can be very expensive. So you, some, very often you have to take a bold decision that middle management can do alone. So you need somebody from top on board. So having some training, uh, avoid some mistakes and also save money because uh, otherwise you need agile coach there everywhere, every day. So, uh, having already the management uh, very well aware about what agile is and how it works. Uh-huh. Save a lot of time and, and I think also money. At that point, uh, you start the, 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 the initiative, uh, just like uh, a software team. So I suggest to, to, to do the lift off, uh, like in Diana Larson, uh, Ashley's book, uh, and start the scrum team and also every impediment uh, being uh, uh, raised to the executive uh, meta scrum. Uh, sorry, the executive action team and, and fixed. And the difference in hardware is that you have to pay attention to space and tooling way much more than in software. So very common, I have to, before starting everything, we need to move people from a room to another to make space because companies organized in silos, uh-huh. they have less use of space and so we have to move people also for software. But for hardware, you need the special space for the reviews, special space for integrating the product very often. And so space could be, physical space could be, could be a problem. And also we want a team to deliver prototypes, working prototypes every sprint. So in fact, a team member, a development team needs to be a little bit scientist, a little bit artist, and also a craftsman. Huh. So they need uh, the, some, some, some tooling to prototyping. I have clients, for example, uh, prototyping with wood that is very easy to, 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 to cut and, and, and huh. shape, and then later move, moving to aluminum or steel that it's, it's more expensive uh, uh, have a longer uh, lead time. This kind of stuff for some companies could be very, very new. So they need some space where they can safely work in with this kind of material that normally are not present in, uh, in uh, industrial companies. So that's, I think, okay. the, that's excellent. the basics. Well, yeah. Yeah. If that's the basics, then we have a lot to dive into because it gets more complicated, perhaps. So that really starts from the business perspective. You said to identify where we are now with projects and products and what might be that rising star, I think, is where we put our focus, right? That rising star project to say, this is a good candidate for a Scrum for Hardware sort of project. We identify that. That work is really important just to get people on the same page because the probably the number one issue I run into with organizations from a product perspective is not alignment in the priorities, the objectives, the goals. And you mentioned, you know, most organizations are siloed, that there's not alignment in how to use the resources, and especially around a new product. And getting everyone on the same page is really important. So 
identifying the value stream components of what makes this a valuable product and um, what mm-hmm. skills need to go into that. Okay, so we're getting the structure put into place. So we kind of get everyone to the point where we're going to be able to do this. You said that having a team and an organization that is already using Scrum makes this easier. So did I hear that right? No, I mentioned that the important is that uh, management, when you start, they know already about Scrum. So or okay. they got trained for that, that situation or they have previous experience. If they don't have a, a previous experience, they, a good training would be, would be helpful. It needs to be a good Scrum. Mm-hmm. Let, let's say this it's there is a lot of companies pre- saying we are doing scrum then you go seeing and you don't see not even the 11 rules are respected you know right. so scrum is very simple it's a very simple process framework just uh, 11 rules and a lot of practices that you can mm-hmm. to make it work uh, and most of the, most of the time they, they people are indulgent and now they do it and then everything fall apart because the elements are meant to uh, reinforce one with the other. And so if you start removing stuff, it, it fall down like a house of cards. Yeah, yeah. And it's that intersection between the, the scrum team, right, that is doing their work and the organization. That's usually where the tension lies and, and things start looking less scrum-like over time. Yes. It's a challenge there. Okay. The and you talked about you know because we're going to be doing iterations here, we're doing some prototyping that might not be what we've done before. We need some new equipment, yes. dedicated space to make this work. Prototyping is really important. We've talked about prototyping a few times on this podcast, and we can use it in all kinds of ways, right? For software products too, it's useful to just build an early physical prototype of something that you can interact with, because our brains work differently when we're interacting with something physical. Obviously, for hardware, that's the domain, and I've seen wood used, as you mentioned. Foam is great if you can, uh, because it's so easy to cut, you know, to work with mm-hmm. foam, if that offers enough rigidity for what, what you're doing. And then you can move up from there, right? Lots of people exactly. have 3D printers, and mm-hmm. and now we can have 3D printers and different kinds of materials and lots of possibilities. We just add cost each level we go up, right, to deal yeah. prototypes. I think it'd be helpful to hear an example to kind of walk us through you know, so you can put the picture together in our minds of how this actually came about. Is there a project example you can share? Well, uh, my problem most of the time is that uh, many clients I'm working with today are under NDA. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> it's it's it, there is a very limited number of companies I can I can I can share. One is uh, Sub Aeronautics. They are based in Lee Shopping, uh, Sweden. Hmm. We visited uh, this, uh, the, 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 the factory where they built the um, uh, JAS-39 Griffin, that is a, uh, a very last generation uh, jet fighter. Hmm. And okay. they, usually, they use a Scrum uh, across all the organization. They, they published an interesting case study with the Scrum Inc. And I had the... the, 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 the the, the privilege to visit that 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 factory with George Justice, and uh, we have seen how they they they, they work. Huh. So one one element I can bring uh, to 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 you, to somebody who is listening us now is the uh, obsessive uh, modularity in the product that allows uh, to have multiple teams to work independently. So the principles here. Are no are called um, 
contract first design so that when you start designing a product, you start from modules and the modules you define the, the interface first and you define the interface bigger than what you need from day one so that you reduce the risk to, hmm. to refactor the interface. And, 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 and then you have the, the capability to have multiple team, teams iterating at the same time, working different modules without interfering with each other. This is a way to speed up the time to market because right. you you can scale uh, horizontally with multiple teams. Yeah, and let me draw an analogy there and see if it works or not. When we're developing a project, so this is just project management discipline now talking about, one of the key elements we put together in the beginning is the work breakdown structure. It's that functional decomposition of the work just to get our hands around what we have to get done. So this example is building a jet fighter, right? So I love the example because this is a serious example, right? That this is mm-hmm. high, yes. high risk, high stakes, big project, huge complexity. And we're using Scrum for hardware on it. So this, that, that's an example that says Scrum for hardware works lots of places if it works there. And this notion of breaking down that project in terms of modules, what are the modules that, that go into combined together make the critical systems of a jet fighter? The, is that right? The, the, the biggest, yeah, the biggest takeaway because there is a risk because mechanical engineer will tell you we we always had modularity, no? Sure. Components we also always had modularity. It's not yeah. new. Adds our ability to maintain this, maintain them, fix them. The very uh, little no, nuance that make the difference here is that when you define a module, a module is not a component. A module is a um, a convention an arbitrary part of the product that fulfill one, one or more um, uh, needs internal business. Hmm. So when you have, a, imagine you have a product backlog and you pull uh, one user story, you want that user story to go is only one, on one module. Because if you have a user stories that, that goes on multiple modules, it means that the team that works in that user story needs to take ownership of that modules for that sprint. And this is limiting the number of teams that can work without interfering with each other. So the way you shape the modules, it's more a convention. It's more more a definition. It's like a contract between teams. Mm -hmm. The modules is not really there because if you look at the module, it's composed by many components that then you can have also sub-modules. Why it's just, it's just one? Because you do the work with the business, try to anticipate what will need to change. And so with this kind of, of view, of course, having a framework as Scrum makes things happen because you have the product owner that normally has a very business view with a development team that has a very technical view, working day-to-day together. Mm-hmm. And so they can... Started with a, a um, initial modularity of the product, uh, and and when they see there are some new needs, they can refactor the dif- the division in modules so that the the the, the, the development can go faster. Right. Or what happens when you have to bro- to break a, a, an interface? You just stop the line, like in, in the old Toyota way. Yeah. Right. And you call all the teams working on the different modules, uh, relying on the same interface. 
you change the interface and then you start working again. So modularity for what I learned is not really how you ship the product. It's a process uh-huh. that uh, leaves the freedom to a single team to work on some part of the product and describe clearly what happens if this team needs to do something that goes outside this freedom. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. We're basically drawing a boundary box, a scope of what a team is addressing. That's their module, well-defined, related to one user story, yeah. to really give independence to the teams so they can move forward. So this helps us with the scale issue. And then you have uh, integration activities that are coordinating the work together and probably redundancy and components and, and how to deal with that redundancy and the like. Yeah. Okay. That's a great example because it's so complicated. Yeah. On the other hand, if you do very small modules, then it may, may, may uh, be very hard to manage. Mm-hmm. So you have to struggle between having two big modules that will, will, will not uh, fulfill the need or two little that are, are hard to manage. Right. So Yeah, the constraint there is the size of the team, right? You need a, a scrum-sized team. So I, I'm picturing yes. in my mind this is like six to eight people. Is that the scale you're at? Yes. Yeah. Normally f- between five and seven, okay. according to Scrum Guide, less than nine. But yep. nine members tend, tend to be as low team already mm-hmm. because coordination requires a lot of effort at that point. Okay. So... So yeah, and also the, the number of the of the the, the modules uh, in a in a product uh, tend to be a small number like that. So the ideal is seven plus two plus minus two. So because it's the number of information that your brain can can right. remember independently without chunking. Yep. And so you understand a very big pro- product like an airplane have a, having only nine modules. To, it's it's challenging, no? Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's the, the what I always say: doing Scrum for hardware in a very very good way today it's a competitive advantage. So it can't be easy, it can be cheap, <laughs> it can be obvious, it can be common sense. It needs to require some effort and some creativity. Right, and that's the funny part, I think. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this is breaking down the really big problem into smaller problems where we have some flexibility to experiment as we do with Scrum um, to know we're headed the right path. Okay, so many more details we could get into. That's what your book is for, Scrum for Hardware. So uh, anyone that's interested in in learning more about this, we'll point them towards that resource. Right, Right there it is for anyone watching the video, Scrum for Hardware. Excellent. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. Um, What do you have for us? And tell us why you chose that one. It's not really, really uh, an innovation quote. For me, it's a more a, a life uh, uh, motto. Mm-hmm. It's uh, do what you love and love what you do. I think that if you want to develop innovation in your product, uh, the first ingredient you need is uh, passion. Mm-hmm. And I recommend uh, follow your passion because you you will never work a single day if you work in something you're passionate about. It is a great idea. And we all know the realities of Every day we have some work probably that we don't want to do, uh, even for things we're really passionate about. But absolutely, you know, I wake up every morning loving to help product managers and, and enable them and equip them and hopefully inspire them some. And that drives me. And you're right. If you do what you love, that drives you and you get better at it because that's driving you. So thank you for sharing that quote for us. How can people find out more about the work that you do, get in touch with you if they wish to, and certainly get their hands on your book? 
So well, my website uh, paolo.sensche.li. Uh, so just my name and surname with dots. <laughs> and then, um, listeners, I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes to make it easy to find these. Thank you. And uh, my LinkedIn page. I normally publish my article on, on LinkedIn. So um, feel free to reach me out on LinkedIn and follow me there. And my book uh, is available uh, the electronic version on leanpub.com. Okay. So, and uh, so that it's, uh, it's still a, a, an agile publishing method. So if you buy there, you will receive uh, free updates forever. I think I'm going to add a couple of use cases and user st- um, um, success story in November this year, hmm. October, November, just because I have an NDA that is going to be opening. And, and the paper version of my book is on Amazon okay. worldwide. Great. So Lean Pub for the electronic version, and that gets updated, and then paperback on Amazon, and I will track down all of the links yeah. again in the show and notes. If you buy the paper version, in the last page there is a, a free code to download also the electronic version. So free updates for everybody that can buy the book, regardless if paper or electronic. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the insights. This is a topic that's come up many times. How do we add agility to our hardware part of our business if we're manufacturing anything? And your insights for Scrum for Hardware, really important to us. Thanks so much for joining and talking about these ideas. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Have a nice day. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product master learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Find the summary of the discussion with Paolo at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 243. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.